Hello, and welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast about our fav- two favorite characters, <laughs> Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi, I am Chicky, and today we're going to be covering um, A Clash of Kings, John Chapter 1. I have with me Kama. Hi, this is Kama, and you can find me at Oxford Splice on Twitter. And Devin. Hey, this is Devin. You can find me at GD Harpo on Twitter. And Guile. Hey, this is Guile, and you can find me at Door Podcast on Twitter. And I am um, at the Chickren on Twitter if you want to check me out on Chicky. Um, Okay, so I guess we'll just jump right in. Um, and actually, we begin this chapter by John going down into the vaults um, looking for Sam, um, who is apparently lost in research looking for maps because the Night's Watch is going to send a massive expedition north of the wall. Um, John John finds Sam just like totally lost in... Uh, in looking at like these ancient old maps because he can't seem to find anything very recent um this this totally reminds me of like (laughs) did you guys ever have this happen like you were studying for something and you would just end up tangenting and not studying for what you were supposed to be looking at going down a wikipedia hole or something it's awesome actually the uh, the researcher in me was like totally on his side this is amazing stuff he's got (laughs) yeah um, so anyway, Sam is, of course, as we might expect, very nervous about um, the fact that he is going to be included in this expedition because Maester Eamon is just too old to make the trip. Um, so Sam's going to be in charge of, of the Ravens. Um, I kind of love this <laughs> this moment of John like in his head thinking about <laughs> how scared Sam is. Um, I, I don't know. Their friendship at this point is is not completely developed, I guess, but I just kind of love that there's kind of this shorthand that's almost like family between them. And uh, so we move on to um, uh, <laughs> the the up. They go out of these uh, of the vault. They go through the tunnels that we learn about. Which clearly, because we're about to leave Castle Black, we need to know for later that there are tunnels underneath Castle Black. Um, that they use in the wintertime. Um, and when they go back up above, they see um, Sir Andrew Tarth. And this is, I think, the only time he's actually on the page, isn't it? I think so, because I think um, Mormont alludes to him when he sends Alistair Thorne away, that he's sending for sending for him, maybe, but I don't think we meet him, or not that we really even meet him here until here. I think he's mentioned... A couple other times, but I think this is the only time, like you said, that, you know, he's got dialogue. Yeah, this this is the only time I think we really actually see him. And we don't really get much of a physical description and definitely don't hear anything about him being crazy tall or anything. So, I don't know. Does this support the theory that, that Brienne's dunk um, um, lineage comes from her mom's side rather than her well, dad's? I, don't, I mean, I think... Like we should probably get into that when we get into like why is the rest of the chapter in this chapter? <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So anyway, Sir Andrew is um, training a new batch of knights because, of course, they've sent um, 
what's his face off to to King's Landing with the little zombie hand to try to get some um, help or funding or something from Joffrey or the Lannisters or whoever. Um, and so John and Sam go on to Sea uh, Lord Commander Mormont, who um, is met by uh, Thorin Smallwood, who um, wants to be <laughs> declared First Ranger because Benjen is missing. And the other guy who would have been the First Ranger after Benjen just died. Um, this is an interesting scene where Mormont refuses to name anyone else until they're sure that Benjen is dead. Cause it's like, they must have Rangers completely disappear all the time. There must be several times that you would just never know if someone right. died or not. I would assume. So it's a weird, do you think this is just Mormon making a call in the moment? Cause he doesn't yeah, like he doesn't this guy. Like I think they even say that Jeremy Riker was first Ranger when, you know, when Benjen was missing. So like, they have like a interim first ranger even. And so like you can kind of see where Thorne's coming from, but yeah, it sounds like just kind of like he's a dick and Mormont doesn't like him. And therefore he's going to like play, like I can't do this because you know, precedent dude and just shut him up. Yeah. I think that's what's going on. And is it a case where the first ranger has like, who's, you know, is he the, like, would they leave him like a, you know, who's in charge of the wall, I guess? Is Andrew Tarth in charge when Mormont leaves, you know? Like, that seems like that's kind of a big, you know, a big position. So it's like, maybe for, but, you know, maybe First Ranger's in charge, but that seems stupid if they're ranging, like, First Ranger should be there. I feel like this is like a whole Picard-Riker yeah. thing, like how <laughs> how Riker <laughs> would always go on the missions and Picard would stay in the ship, and now, like, literally Mormont is, like, going on the mission it's like he's been picard but now he's being yeah yeah actually that's probably better yeah totally and and this is where everyone who listens to us who does not watch star trek i mean i feel like people know picard and kirk like (laughs) (laughs) most people probably in our audience (laughs) yes um so uh, then um, Sam Sam heads out, and um, we we kind of get a little bit more of an insight into um, what Lord Commander Marmont is dealing with in trying to get some some supplies and some more men. When he um, mentions to John that he was considering sending Sam to Renly to try to get some supplies. And it's like, oh God, that would be such a misread of, of whether that would help at all. Well, it was, that was so interesting Sam that they just... did that. And it kind of made me wish like we saw like someone from the watch coming to, you know, to Rob or to Renly or Stannis for that matter, you know, like it would have been kind of an interesting, like, okay, how, do, how do these people that want to be a King, like how do they deal with the actual requests and needs of the kingdom, you know? I would have liked to have seen all of them. Yeah, that would have that would have been interesting. I just meant more that like like you know Mormons thinking that sending Sam will help <laughs> no. because of Randall Tarly. <laughs> like, no. no, but it would have been a great Randall scene. Tarly probably just kill Sam. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really terrible. Um, and so from there we kind of segue into um, talk about like you know basically Black Brothers and their former lives um, because. He's sending someone else who is, I don't know, related to the Fossaways in instead of Sam. And, and then he kind of segues into talking about 
Maester Aemon, because I think it was in John's last chapter in A Game of Thrones that he learned that Aemon was a Targaryen, yeah. wasn't it? Or the second to last? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so we get this, and I'll, you know, you know how I feel about the Targaryens. We get this this big chunk of Targaryen history here, and obviously this is around the time that, you know, George was well, really getting into writing yeah, his dunk book. I actually, this section of I looked history. it up, and um, The Hedge Knight was 1998, and I think Clash of Kings was 1999. So it's literally exactly the same time as he's writing those, you know, writing those books. So he basically gives, this is, you know, he gives uh, us that little nugget from, you know, from Dunkin' Egg, basically. That makes a lot of sense, actually, that that would be but in like, event. why? <laughs> like, I was so annoyed. Like, I mean, I love yeah. Egg. I love, you know, reading this, but it was like, what's the point of this? Is this a, oh, John's going to be king, but it's like, it's not like it's, you know... John is the, you know, son of the print of the, you know, prince. Like it's not like he's some super crazy unlikely. Whereas like a Tarth, for example, if we go in the convoluted Brienne is secretly, you know, fourth in line to the Targaryen throne, then maybe it does. I don't know. I feel like it's the kind of thing where he's written all this stuff or already or has it in in the bag. It's a chance to use it and it's a chance to seed it through. And it's the sort of thing where it's indulgent. It maybe not the best choice as a writer, but you can kind of see, oh, this is a perfect place for me to throw this in here. I don't know. It, it It's kind of out there. I mean, I was all of a sudden I went from, okay, okay. And then I'm like, oh, seriously, I forgot we had like, I don't know, endless paragraphs about and like, what a dick. It's a few oh, pages. No, I was just going to say, it's definitely yeah. a few pages of just random Targaryen history, it feels like. like. Yeah, I always thought this was in the other chapter. Like, for some reason, it always stuck in my mind that this happened right after, the, like, in the last chapter, John's last cha- chapter of Game of Thrones, that this is when this conversation would happen, and not at this point when everything else yeah. is about the ranging and what they're getting ready to do, and then just out of nowhere. And like, all what this. a dick move to be trying to get Eamon, who, you know, Dunk's like 33 at this time, and they're, like, pulling this shit? Like, come on. It just seems very, you know, yeah, it's I, not like it's some I, child. I, it's literally a, you know, fully grown man with kids of his own that they're trying to, like, keep from the throne at this point. Well, I mean, I guess you kind of get it just because he was so unlikely, and at least they knew with Eamon that he would be very steady. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, like, I know that I know he has this here because he kind of loves to repeat himself with with history, and I know that there are some you can see that he's kind of also alluding to, of course, John's situation and a little bit to Danny here. Um, it's just like uh, it's God. so it it is. You I need mean. To get off. You need to get off this tangent. Well, and it's like, we all love Dunkin' Egg, and you know that this is, like, misplaced when, like, the basic reaction isn't, oh, I love hearing about Eamon and and Egg. It's like, what the hell is this doing here? Get off of this page, you know? (laughs) I mean, some of it, some of it could be here. I see what he's doing, you know, it's all about, you know, creating this, this theme with John of the choices that he has to make between family loyalty and whatever, and. Eamon is a really great, you know, example of that for John to kind of ponder. I mean, I, I, I question it a little bit because I think George kind of actually goes somewhere he didn't intend to go with Eamon by feast. But 
Um, you know, I get why it's here. It's just like, does it need to be this much? I just I'm like, so resentful let's hear more about the shit the Sam's finding, right? Like, that seems more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been the place to go on a tangent when Sam is talking about whatever he's finding. That was the time for like that. the people that were trading. Yeah. And, you know, there's like some interesting thing. And I mean, comma, like with your, you know, with your interests too, I think like talking about you know, the, the essentially like the shopping lists or, you know, the, um, you know, tr- you know, what they were trading and stuff. And like, you know, that's how actual historians are, you know, f- figuring out the truth of the past, you know? And so like, that's kind oh, of interesting. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think absolutely. That's how, that's how research is done. It's, it's not always all neatly written out for you. It's somebody looking at a list and like determining like, okay, these are the people who were, you know, given gifts and therefore we can conclude that they must've been significant. Um, yeah. That's exactly or like he says, you know, like the, pro- the provisions list can tell you so much. It's not just yeah. about what you might need and who you might be feeding or supplying, but it's also what your trade routes might've been. There actually is a ton of information in there. But nope, we need more yeah. targs. <laughs> Well, actually, I like I skipped right past it, but there was even a moment where Donald Noy, who like was the blacksmith at Storm's End and knew all of the Baratheons, talks a little bit about the Baratheons, and that's only like a paragraph and a half, and that's really relevant. Yeah, and it's that classic, (laughs) the classic quote about you know, um, or Robert being the real steel and the true steel, yeah. Stannis being iron and Renly yeah. is copper, was yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, so okay. we actually have a question about that. Oh, what is it? Um, Bucko Hare from Discord asks, um, is Donald Noy right about the Baratheon boys? Well, I, I think don't think so. so. Yeah, yeah, although I, I guess I, I would, think he is. I question the part about Robert because, I mean, we, we've just come from a book where we've seen that maybe he was once the true steel, but you know what happens to him but that's what donald noy donald noy actually says he was he was great until he became king yeah. he gets to rust after it's not used for yeah yeah what he says yeah yeah which was absolutely true yeah i think he's right I, you know there's sometimes it's just george talking and i think that's <laughs> all i think he's right i don't know i mean Stannis, as far as his person, you know, his whole persona that we've been shown is, you know, he will never break. He'll never, and, you know, you know, John Lloyd, that's not what this is saying. And then I think, I mean, I don't want to be like a super Renly defender, but I feel like I've, I don't know, like, what the hell was so bad about Renly? He actually made like a really smart alliance. He seems to have some fairly decent, you know, fairly decent ambitions. Like, yeah, he wants to usurp you know, usurp, usurp his brother, but other than that, like, he might have made a pretty decent king. He was, like, definitely more politically adept than, um, you know, more politically adept than Stannis was, which is pretty important, I think. I think it's, it bears, I mean, we've we've had the prologue where Crescent sort of, and I get that Crescent has his own issues, um, but the idea that Renly's much more into appearances. And I mean, yeah, he's made an alliance that like seems like a good one, but you know, how long would those people be? Is that enough 
is there enough substance to Renly? I think is the question. And, and we don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think George is sort of saying, you know, he's not all substance. I mean, like, it's sort of like if you could take him and Stannis and somehow make a sort of Frankenmesh kind of character, it, you know, it might make more sense. But separately, they just start, do not have what it is going to take. I don't know. It's it's sort of like this is the second character we've sort of heard that from. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm like Guile. I tend to be a little bit of a Renly defender because I think Renly, definitely more so than either of his brothers, shows true, like, political adeptness. Like, he he really understands the political situation much better. And I think I think his play with the Tyrells probably was going to be successful. It takes literal black magic to stop it. And it would have, you know, um, the Tyrells I, you know, have shown that, you know, like, it's Cersei that screws the alliance with the Tyrells. The Tyrells were utterly prepared to be loyal, you know, loyal to King Tommen. And I think, you know, with assuming Marjorie and Renly had a kid at some point, like, that was going to cement that alliance, you know, and forever basically I, I guess like is is that enough i mean i think like in terms of like looking at this long term like what happens with like okay maybe he can handle the geopolitical stuff maybe he can handle the targ invasion whenever if ever that's well, i mean long term you know long term he he's can... gonna get killed by a dragon or or a zombie well but i mean like <laughs> yeah. is is he the one who's gonna like when the night's watch is is desperately screaming for men if he's still around, does he send them? Does he care about what's happened? Does he believe in no. what's happening? No, he doesn't. No, Renly's a total dick. Renly is one hundred percent a dick. It's not that. Like I'm not. I, I'm not out there saying, "Oh, Renly's a great guy." I'm just like you know, for, for, when you look at the the capabilities of of the people in the race for this job right now, Renly definitely is not the worst, and I think probably would have actually I mean, been Renly's the least harmful Renly's choice. Renly's like one or two at this point, really. If you think of who yeah, would have been I, I a good think, king, he's you know. Yeah, well, I, I think I think the fact that all the stormlords just immediately went to Renly kind of tells you most of what you need to know yeah. about that because. But wouldn't like, they? We'd rather, have to? We'd rather I mean, be I'm not disagreeing the necessarily. But are they sworn to the storms end kind of thing? Isn't that they are? But they're sworn to the Baratheons, and definitely by any measure, Stannis should they take should be precedent going to over okay. Renly. I don't know. That's my take. I don't know. Um, any it's... anything else, Devin? What are your thoughts? Oh yeah, I pretty much just think that Donald Nor is right, and I do think that Renly at the time probably was one or two as far as kings go. Um, and would have done a pretty decent job. Um, but I do think it like a mesh of the two would have been what could have been. I mean, perfect. a mesh of the three um, would have been amazing if you had or like, the three, actually, Robert's yeah. charisma. <laughs> put all three of the Baratheon Yeah, like Robert's charisma, Renly's political acumen, and then like Stannis' determination and, you know, like sense of duty, maybe. Like you would have had like an, you know, friggin' awesome king. We just needed a Frankenstein's monster. Much. <laughs> we just needed Kyburn at this time. Oh, God. <laughs> he, could, he could have done something for us. Devin, did we have any other questions? Um, not related to that. Oh, or for the chapter. Right? I think we're there. Did oh. anybody have anything else to yeah, say about all this? 
Sam is a hundred percent right. I just want to say about how you do research. Just he's got he's he knows what he's doing. I feel like this was George's <laughs> equivalent of asking us, like, hey, do you want to come to a party? And then the party was like about, you know, like a like the what are like the chef party things? <laughs> like one of those. I mean, yeah, it's like a Tupperware party. party. Like, yeah, I'd love to come to a party. Oh, it's a Tupperware party. Like, oh, like here's a cool thing about the Night's Watch in history. Oh, it's the Targaryens. Great. Yeah. Um. So from Cardinal Girl seventy five on Discord, they ask, um, Sam waxes poetic about the history he's found so far in Castle Black's library and laments that everything is so disorganized that it would take years to straighten out. Do you think the answer to defeating the others might be recorded in there? I absolutely do. Yeah. And I mean, isn't that a yeah. hint when, if we would have had like, you know, the classic five-year gap, like, I mean, would we have had Sam in the basement basically for five years going through papers instead of shipping him off to the, you know, instead of sitting or in the, the Citadel, Citadel yeah. one or the other. Which presumably has a more accomplished librarian who has organized materials. Yeah. Well, well yeah. and I, I think, I think this is meant to signal that Sam is the guy who can find yeah. these answers when researching. So wherever he is, he might find Well, the I mean, that's really interesting, Chiggy, too, because I think like this book and, you know, the next book, like as much as we see Sam as John's friend, like we haven't really, you know, either, we see his value as, oh, he's nice to John. But like this is maybe the beginning a little bit of like starting to see the value that Sam's going to bring to everything like this, you know, like. And yeah. it's kind of, you know, it's nice. It's mm. nice to see him being more than just like, oh, the guy who is going to help John. Like, no, he's going to help everyone. Right. Um, and so we also have from Ancient Octagon on Reddit. Um, actually, let me do this other one first. Um, Buck O'Hare from Discord, they ask, what's the point of Mormont's Ranging? Was it always meant to be a semi-suicidal mission into the wilderness, meant to attract the attention of the Seven Kingdoms, even if not meant to be wiped out by the others? Was it uh, mission creep? Was Mormont after one last glorious battle? Um, I don't know what like the. I don't. I guess my my issue with the ranging was always taking three hundred men, basically yeah. everybody. Is this what two hundred from Castle Black, and then they say another hundred is meeting with? Um, meeting them from with Corn Halfhand, that's just so many people. When you're already, your numbers are already dwindled down to barely anything at I this think, point. I mean, I think that they've thought the world of of um, of Benjen in some ways, and like having him just disappear with no Raven or nothing, and then having you know having the Whites invade. Like, I think it's like. I don't think it's like a suicidal thing. I think he's like serious shit is going down and this is maybe our chance to do something about it before it's too late because realistically they can't withstand no matter how, you know, with the men they have, they can't withstand something at castle black. So they have to like do something before. So, I mean, maybe it's suicidal in the sense that he might literally think like, okay, this is our last ditch attempt before we're essentially overrun somehow. Yeah, but I definitely yeah, don't I think def- he set out with the intention, like thinking that most of these men will die. I don't think he set out with that intention at all. So I never thought it was just really suicidal. I think I that they think that, yeah, I mean, I think that they think 300 is 300, you know, armed men of the Night's Watch is enough to overwhelm even like a significantly larger force of wildlings. 
I think it's it sounds good on paper, and then like About at the some execution. point you're like, oh, this was a really badly thought out idea. You know, it. I don't know. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, here's what I think. I think it's important to remember that we begin the series with them sending out a group of three men to range. And, you know, they're not worried about that. Um, and 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 now we're at the point where they think they need a show of force. So compared to like three men, I'm sure 300 seems like a lot. Um, and, I, and so I think it is just a very sincere, you know, Mormon just wants to make a show of force. He definitely knows that Mance is making moves and he doesn't really know what's going on with the supernatural side of things. So. He wants to get, you know, north of the wall with a force that he thinks will be able to handle it, I I think. I mean, he's certainly concerned, but I think Look he how thinks this brave is he is. You know, like, he literally had the undead attacking him and, you know, whatever sense of security he could keep behind the wall. But, I mean, he's like, no, we're not hiding. We're going to go face. We're going to try to face what's going on. Like, he's super brave. I agree. I'd be like, I'm hiding behind the wall. Agreed. <laughs> um our last question um so from ancient octagon on reddit um they asked uh grm has said that if uh he were in the world of westeros he'd probably be samuel tarley what a song of ice and fire characters um do you think are most like yourselves um i'm just random stark number whatever and that's just mostly for the little (laughs) dogs specifically dogs that look like wolves How, how about farlin the kennel master the kennel guy, yeah. <laughs> we'll give you a name. Well, in this little group, I think I'm closest to Sam, because I'm the one going, yes, yes, you're totally right about the ledgers. Good call. Should we let Chicky answer for um, herself, or do we tell her who she is? <laughs> oh, okay, Jamie. tell me who you I know am. This. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Danny. Scout. <laughs> Sorry about your dad. You should be telling me sorry about my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle and I are kind of right. (laughs) (laughs) Every every time I've done a witch, a song of ice and fire, a Game of Thrones character, are you like uh, some random quiz that pops up? I usually get Danny for some reason. You must have that. Do you? Yeah, champion of the underdog. I've gotten I remember one time I got Robert in one of those, and I was like, where did I go wrong? I mean, Robert would be my number two. So. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, is that the last of the mail, Devin? Yes, that's all the mail. Okay, does anybody else have anything to say about this chapter other than, than nope. it's fun to see John say he's never going to Let's go north. Let's get above that wall. <laughs> Do it. Okay, if you would like to send us a question, you can uh, do that many places, including our Tumblr, which is closethedoorandcomehere.tumblr.com, where you can send us an anonymous message, or on Twitter at um, at Door Podcast. Yep. Yes, correct, Kyle? Yep. Or you can email us at closethedoorand at gmail.com. And, of course, we're always grateful to our patrons on Patreon, where we are, patreon.com forward slash close the door. Um, great episode, everybody. I am closing the door. Get out. 